the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. Hello, hello. It's my husband, Jim Anger, in the room. That is right. Right, and I'm Emily, your wife, hanging out here on a My wife, not the audience's wife. (laughs) On a warm... Tuesday afternoon, it's been kind of a scorcher. It has been. I had uh, my sweatiest run of the year yesterday. It was it was very, very hot yeah, and yeah. slow. Well, at least St. Paul's has, um, not St. Paul's, <laughs> Holy Trinity has air conditioning, right? That is true. And not only air conditioning, but as of two weeks ago, as COVID protocols continue to change from the Episcopal Diocese, coming down to those guidelines said that we could close windows. So... I think the two Sunday were nice beforehand, but then it got hot, and then we had one Sunday of <laughs> open windows and hot. But now we had closed windows and AC. It was lovely. Right. I mean, it it is a callback when you're really hot and sweaty while you're preaching. If we're t- we we often start with callbacks uh-huh. back to your preaching days um, in West Philly when there was no air conditioning. There was and no air conditioning. You would point a fan directly on your body, but we could still see you sweating. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't seem weird at the time for me to have like a personal fan blowing back my hair like I was preaching from driving in a convertible. Oh, it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> and people would say they could measure the where I was in the sermon based on the sweat circle that would widen yeah, on on my chest and belly. Sweat. You get you get you get belly sweat. <laughs> Is this TMI? <laughs> okay. Maybe we Real talk on TPSB. <laughs> TMI on um, TPSB. Enough nostalgia for right now. Let's let's call it a story Monday. We let's jump back into discussing sermons. Um, I wasn't yeah. there this Sunday, but I did have the privilege of listening on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Did you did you see me perform on I, video? I wasn't really watching. I have oh. to admit that I was d- doing work, cull- uh, culling photos while while listening to your sermon. So my yeah, notes are not fair also enough, not quite. But a man as good. can dream. <laughs> No, it was a good. It was a good sermon, and I really probably should have um, stopped myself from editing. You know, one of the things that is good about having to be back in person is the the need to like, or it's the reminder to focus. I think that's the thing with in person school too. Like, it's mm-hmm. just better for people to be in the building. People can't see you on your laptop scrolling Instagram feed while listening to a sermon. Yep. Um, so it's probably <laughs> a healthy thing. I I did have. Um, something i had to get the girls to so i i missed this sunday yeah um so i had the experience back in the old days of last year when i needed to listen to you online um it isn't the same so i'm glad that we're back in person for the most part yeah people say i'm better in person especially if you're sweating (laughs) (laughs) exactly um but yeah, so give us some context why this sermon and this Sunday you you um you started off with the the idea of jokes that are sad. Jokes that are sad. Really a, Tears of a clown. It's not really a category that you usually pull out of your wheelhouse when telling jokes. Yeah, well sometimes sometimes I go for the pathos and the joke that was sad was, "Hey, you want to go into ministry? Don't do that." 
uh, do something else with your life. This the, this road is just too complicated and too hard. Which I parlayed into saying, hey, we can feel sorry for ourselves sometime and just get get into a lower spot. And so this Sunday from First Kings chapter nineteen, Elijah saying. I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. This was hopefully a Sunday in a sermon for Eeyores and Charlie Browns, when we just can get in a period where we're only seeing our own pain and get stuck there. And, you know, when is it too much to keep talking about pandemic in such a strange year? We don't want to just beat a dead horse, but then also it continues to be a strange year. Although, rays of hope, this has been an Eeyore year and a Charlie Brown period so so first i want to say my first notes on my um on my page are number one what is wrong with eeyore and number two what is wrong with charlie brown (laughs) those are characters i identified with all through growing up i i never thought like what is wrong with eeyore i always thought he was just the encapsulation of what life is (laughs) (laughs) that's the enneagram for eeyore is normal we need to normalize eeyore so, so, so I did get some feedback in the room after the sermon as well. Um, you're not the only one that said, "Wait a second, I love Eeyore," and so th- this Charlie is Brown. The, and Charlie Brown. You often identify Charlie Brown as the like the icon of the the Eagles, the icon of Philly sports. Yeah, I I do have you got me an Eagles T-shirt that has the iconic Charlie Brown running with the football, but with an Eagles helmet. <laughs> and that really, that that really says so much. So this is why we have a podcast. So I. I can walk back everything I miss said on Sunday mornings. You better. I, I was not throwing Eeyore under the bus, and I love Charlie Brown. So those characters are well-loved for a reason, specifically because we can relate to them so well. We all have <laughs> our Eeyore moments. So this was a pro-Eeyore sermon, but at the same time asking the question, can can we be healthier Eeyores as opposed to less healthy ones? <laughs> So a healthier Elijah. Right. Yeah. I guess I can admit that Eeyore um, has some tendencies that probably he doesn't need to to sit in forever. (laughs) (laughs) 20 20 years ago, it was churches attacking Barney, apparently, were doing the same thing with Eeyore. (laughs) Harry Potter. What else? This this took a turn. I've thrown stones at... Um, no, so for the same reason that Eeyore was my spirit animal when I was growing up, I actually really loved the Elijah passage when I was growing up. Too. Yeah. And I think part of it is this um, this point that he's at. This is not the hero of, I don't know, the the Greek mythology, which when mm-hmm. somebody like, actually the Greek mythology heroes also kind of fall, get get depressed and sad. But yeah, some of them. it's not the hero who like stands up after this mighty miracle and then is just ready to slay the next dragon. Yeah. Um, it's somebody who deals with some real heart issues. And I, I like that you were teasing it out. Today. Yeah, there, there's a crash. So this is depressive Elijah, once again, to use a modern category on a ancient text. And just kind of feeling like whether, whether we've had our best life now during pandemic for the few that have gone in that direction. I think overall, we're people, whether Christians or not, where we could use some more hope and maybe we spend too much time in our little short-sighted caves. Right. And I guess, so that was your reflection point this week as you thought about this passage and thought about pandemic, Yeah. um, thought about yourself and 
what Charlie Brown aspects are in your own heart. <laughs> yeah. I, so, so I'd say for, for me, the Charlie Brown moments over the past few weeks and I've Joel read Embiid. the Joel Embiid, <laughs> right? Uh, lot, lots of, I've read lots of articles about what a small meniscus tear means to a knee and to one psyche and soul as well. I texted somebody yesterday, a friend from, from Texas who was a D- Dallas Mavericks fan. The Mavs yeah. lost over the weekend. And he said, hey, what do you think about the Sixers losing game one? I said, well, it's not about losing game one. It's potentially losing Embiid. And if Joel Embiid is injured, life is meaningless and nothing matters. So yeah. that, that's part of it. And, and then also as we've reassembled over this past month, Plus, uh, here's a here's a callback for old fans of me getting dates wrong at the beginning of the service this Sunday. I said, welcome, everybody, to our service on this, the last Sunday in May, but it was June 6th. <laughs> so <laughs> who am I? Where am I? That's my golden yeah. phase right there. The So if we were a little bit on the later side to regather, which I think was the right call for us for a variety of reasons, Plenty of coaching has said, hey, understand that when your churches begin to reassemble physically, it's going to be a process. And so in my mind, as we, you know, probably are about a third to a quarter size of what we were before pandemic, and we have plenty of people, our our attendance numbers are, are strong as we combine, you know, views online with in person, but feeling a little bit of like, uh, okay, we've worked so hard to get yeah, to this point, yeah. and it's great to see faces, but then there's empty pews as well, and so kind of living in that space, which can create for me that 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 was my own personal Eeyore cave, sure, out of which this I've sermon emerged from friends who've had similar things, small other small business owners who yeah. the same thing has happened where they. We're gaining a lot of traction, and then this year just tanked them. You walk down the Philly streets, and there's so many stores that are closed, restaurants that are closed. Right. Uh, hard to find an ice cream place. Um, miss the gelato or cappuccino. Although we have had an Ave, I, I have I have warmed up to the gelato place mm-hmm. on Haddon Ave. It's not cappuccino, but it's on it's close. Yeah, it's decent. The Kyber Pass Pub continues to phase out New Orleans menu items right. from their panoply. Oh. That's a sad one. Um, I just heard the recycling truck, I think, and our recycling has been sitting on our, our porch for, or not our porch, our sidewalk since Wednesday. It's now Tuesday, so almost a week late, and apparently that's pandemic related. I will say about that briefly, and this is a little digressive, but I always enjoy running on Thursdays because that's when trash collection occurs, and it's great being able to run past people's recycling bins and see what they what they recycle because I get a little okay, window Mr. into Judgy. all of my all of my neighbors. It's like, oh, I didn't realize that <laughs> they drank this, or I wonder if a baby's coming because there are a lot of you know oh, baby purchases. So it's been nice that recycling's been left out for for that reason. <laughs> you could do your stalker thing. Yep, I'm actually more judgy. Like the the people in my household, hey, like keep forgetting that like certain types of plastics can't be recycled, or that you need to take the lid off. The That's a challenge. Bottles, the milk cartons before you. So when I the walk struggle by, is real. I kind of judge people based on whether they're recycling properly. But apparently it doesn't even matter because, yeah, anyway. Thanks, China. <laughs> okay, I think we've we've made it through the setup of why this sermon, so stormy this Sunday. We were in a depressed Elijah, Eeyore, Charlie Brown mode. Um, mm-hmm. And this, this kind of fit well. Um, let's move to Sun Studios as you kind of 
started looking at this particular uh, text, this particular right. um, passage and story. I met her in church. Tell us about this Bible passage exactly. Yeah, so I don't think that this is one of the most famous passages in the Bible, but if Elijah M. is one of the more famous, relatively speaking, characters from the Old Testament, this is an episode that gets some play, whether it was Brandon Best talking about the first part of First Kings 19 last week, or this week when Elijah has his crash, his low, after the showdown with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. But what was interesting to me was to take a closer look at this passage via commentaries, where if the despondency of Elijah is fairly well known, and again, I'll go to verse 10, which is repeated verbatim in verse 14. I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, throw down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even only I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. If the despondency of Elijah here is somewhat well known to people that are familiar with the scriptures, it was interesting for me to uncover that there is also an overlay of disobedience in this passage, too, where God tells Elijah to get out of the cave and come meet him. He doesn't. Mm -hmm. That command and compliance pattern right. that, that we've been talking about, I don't know if you've heard, I, I referenced the podcast. I saw that. Uh, I saw the reference. That was like one of your only references. I was going to save it for it was the a like, reference light. Or not the guitar. Okay, okay well, let's not talk about it. Let's save it. Let's save it. Save it. Save it. Save it. And right, so there's no command and compliance here. Instead, Elijah doesn't go out of the cave, takes a while to get there, isn't doing exactly what uh, what God is calling him to do. He The fact that he's in this cave in this area is because he ran away from Jezebel in fear. And then also what he's talking about here is not the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Uh, he's not the only one that's left. The people of Israel... After Mount Carmel, a lot of them said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. So they repented. Elijah rebuilt the altar. And yeah, there's there's plenty others around. So interesting to see a fuller picture of Elijah. And it's been said that God meets us in Jesus, both as we're sufferers and also as we're sinners. Right. And I think that the balance of the gospel is that we need to be met in both ways. And we see Elijah both as sufferer and as sinner in this passage. Yeah, that's something that's really appealing to me about scripture or about Christianity in general is the idea that our leaders who God uses to perform these awesome miracles are still um, deeply, deeply sinful, deeply sufferers. Yep. Um, I mean, I'm married to a, a church leader, so I, I have a special mm -hmm. insight into that. But um, it's comforting. Don't do it. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Don't marry a pastor. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I interrupted you. Yeah, you lost my train of thought. I lost my train of thought because I've now contemplated. Sinners and sufferers. married a pastor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So the advice is not only don't be a pastor, but also don't marry a pastor. Is that what I'm getting from you? We're not going back to calling it Story of Monday. <laughs> solidly, and I met her in church right now. Um, yeah. So Sinners and sufferers. Yeah, the idea that we're, um, you can be used by God, you can be an instrument of God, and not be like 100% godly all the time. Uh, yeah. Is, and not even like 
there's also the pattern that some churches espouse that like once you believe and put your trust in Jesus, then like then everything you do after that moment of time, like maybe you were a sinner before that, yep. but then after that point, um, God is going to use you and, and then everything's great. But Elijah kind of throws that paradigm out. Yeah, it was Martin Luther that says the gospel treats us as simul justus et peccator, at once justified and forgiven in Christ and also as sinner. And I'm a question to you. You mentioned that this is a passage that you engaged with when you were in high school a good bit. The, the way, based on what I've just said and how I studied the passage this past week, and, you know, for Howlin' Wolves, I usually look at my average is three commentaries per passage. There are some preachers and pastors that just go totally overboard and, you know, look at five, 10, 15 commentaries. But those are the people that spend 20, 30, 40 hours a week on sermon prep, which I think is a poor use of time. But it's not just me with my own ideas going into a passage. And the commentaries for every sermon series that I do, I, I try to get commentaries that are newer, not older. And some people would disagree with that. But I try to get commentaries that are newer and that survey those commentaries themselves, a breadth of commentary literature behind them. So they're representative samples. Based on all of that that I read, the end verse for this passage, when God tells Elijah, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. God's giving this word to Elijah is not only consolation for Elijah who's feeling lonely, but indictment because Elijah doesn't see it and doesn't recognize that God already has provided these people. So, yeah, in your recollection, did you read this verse as consolation or indictment or both? Are you asking me to think back, like, what, 25 years? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I don't even remember that verse. (laughs) Okay. That was not one of the... I I definitely acknowledge that this was a pivotal passage for Mm -hmm. me, but it was more, more the... The God speaking in quiet versus loudness, and more mm-hmm. the general concept of um, Elijah being in this this state of um, sadness and a little bit less um, what God was doing, or actually just specifically in that verse. So, so my recollection from our conversations in college <laughs> about here, let let me tell okay, you what you, you felt back then. Crazy memory, the, the crazy filing cabinet memory. So I, I, I recall you talking about this passage, and this isn't a critique of you then or now, but I recall you more... I'm not a biblical speak, scholar I, writing commentary. Well, it's, it, it, it's more what I gather you gathered from being taught about this passage in, in middle school and high school in your churches. Uh, I remember hearing from you more consolation than sure. challenge and indictment from this passage. And I think it truly does need to be a balance where, you know, and there are church traditions that are all about the indictment and no consolation, right. but there are other church traditions that are all about the consolation and not the indictment. But I met her in church going back to this passage that I thought I knew pretty well, mm-hmm. seeing both of those strands yeah, was no, interesting to me. I don't think I saw the previously... I had seen the disobedience and the, um, what you're saying about... Consolation and indictment. Right, indictment. Um, yeah. yeah, and hopefully I hit both. Right. I think, yeah, I think that is an interesting point of um, 
like to make sure you don't assume things about passages that are familiar to you or that you even like mold over meditated upon for a lot of time that there can be new things to think about that's why i keep doing this <laughs> um moving to muddying the waters mm -hmm. um and related like do you find that this was a fun thing to go back to um as you were constructing it was it was it difficult what was the what was the mojo as you were yeah so this? continuing to think through the woe is me part of everything that we're talking about and at Sermons at Liberty Collingswood, we try to address both Christians and non-Christians that are in the room, that are online. We want to be a church where people in the pews that are committed followers of Jesus are sitting there thinking, boy, I wish that I invited my skeptical friend and neighbor to come and listen this Sunday, as opposed to, boy, I am so glad that this friend of mine is not here this Sunday. This Eeyore, Charlie Brown, woe is me. That's why Eeyore and Charlie Brown are such classic characters, because you know, so many of us, no matter who we are, where we're from, can relate to... You were backtracking a lot about Eeyore and Charlie Brown. It was a structural metaphor for <laughs> this uh, sermon this Sunday. So I wanted to build a wide platform, a coalition of empathy for Elijah here. But then also the, the challenging part was how to balance that balance between showing empathy for when we are down in the dumps, but then also recognizing that we have a part to play as we process our own reality and choose our perspectives that we bring to bear on our situation. And so wanting to bring both that consolation and indictment from the passage was, was pretty challenging. And, you know, we, we have experiences both personally and, and with people that we've known and loved in churches where like any type of down in, in the dump situation is your fault and get over it sort mm -hmm. of mentality. Uh, but then often when we're in a low spot emotionally, we're not seeing things as clearly as we could or should. Right. And I see you, I wrote down that you were using the terms like pivoting or pinballing between self-loathing and self-importance. Mm -hmm. I think that is like a strange irony of being in this position of, of Elijah or Eeyore or... Yeah. Um, I don't think Charlie Brown ever felt self-important, but... <laughs> That's um, a good question. The, but Eeyore did. I feel like Eeyore did move into the stage of only seeing, only navel-gazing, probably. Yeah. Um, but... That, yeah, that's a problem that happens, and so consolation is important, but then sometimes sometimes you can be so upset about a situation, pandemic or whatever, yeah. that um, you are, you err on the side of just feeling like you are better, or you have more insight, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, and there are times marriage-wise for us, Em, that you've said things to me that I thought were wrong truth, wrong time. But then as I continue to process, I consider those same words and advice, right truth, wrong time. <laughs> but then as I continue to process through, I'll come back to you and say that was actually the right truth at the right time. I didn't want to hear it and it didn't feel good, but there were things that I needed to hear so that I could recognize recognize myself know my own sin and take steps of change probably the same <laughs> let's not go into it though <laughs> uh -huh. it's a separate podcast 
when when will i host you so it's patreon not patron but i like the idea on patron right Okay, the the circles that I listen to, they call them Patreon podcasts, even though it's through Patreon. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. They'll say it's I have the Patreon podcast up or whatever. I like that so much better. I'll do a Patreon podcast anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Either that, or you go through premarital counseling with us, and then we spill it all. Also. Yep. <laughs> no, that's the other way. Or bias food. That's the third way. Probably. Probably we'd tell you about all of our marriage crises if you, like, took us out to Cairo. We'll dish for nice dishes. Blue corn. Mm-hmm. Where else? No. Oyster bar. Yes. <laughs> um, am I supposed to be hosting this? Um, okay. So, <laughs> what, so you were, yeah, you're, you're challenging us. And I, I think that is important. I, I like we're all in this um, pandemic mode, we're trying to get back into hopeful mode, mm-hmm. but we probably also need to look and examine like, are there spots in us that are now in like um, disobedience mode or challenge to God mode? Um, can we not? Can we not see past the the disappointments or the pains that we've gone through? Yeah, one of my favorite words for that is myopia, the whole short sightedness thing, and where are we being? myopic in our own lives <laughs> no i <laughs> but i also want to say that i feel your pain because my vision is so awesome but uh yeah so casting speaking of myopia i wanted to cast some vision about how we can grow Are you laughing at your out, own of, joke? out of our myopia the answer is yes to that m thank you so wanting to as god brings us out of the cave uh, cast some vision for the breadth of God's faithfulness around us. Uh, we can, when we're in places of pain and the pinballing and the cycling between self-importance and self-loathing, become low-issue or one-issue voters where we're only seeing the negative. And I think one of the real helps, blessings, and joys of the Christian life is being able to take a step back, whether gener- generationally in the scriptures in our families, in our world, or personally, try to remember, uh, just as God brought Elijah back to Mount Sinai, echoing how God acted towards Moses in grace and power, hey, God is really faithful in our lives, and let's keep some of those things in mind when we are at, at our lower moments. Um, and similar, the importance of Scripture, where where we need we need truth to buffer against our bad perceptions of what we think reality is at a given moment. And how do you like, and I, I said I asked permission for it. Um, how do you like the marriage story about early days in, in West Philly? Should Jim go out or stay in? I thought it was in? Center City when that happened, really, but. Oh, well, both. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, oh, this really is like a nostalgia pod- podcast. You say that every week. I I see and I, I agree with the analogy. First, you admit that that happened. It definitely happened. Sweet. In retrospect, I am right now of the like mode of like we should have been going out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much. You the, are like, so mercurial. No, I, I really am. Um, I 
I kind of feel like I was immature in some ways too. Like I, I think I just felt like that this is just, this is making me about me, you know? Um, but I do appreciate the wisdom of the friends who were saying, spend time with your spouse, um, spend time making sure we were together and, um, establishing good, a good partnership marriage. So yeah. I think that that advice ultimately, um, is great, but probably I should have been pushed on the other hand also to like go out with you. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So, so I do remember, and I'm not to cut you off. We can come, come back yeah. to hearing about your early marriage days, but, uh, it, w- it was Lloyd who said, Hey Jim, I get where the advice is coming from. And, and the whole question is, Hey, living in a big city, tons of stuff to do. Let, let's go out and do stuff. And then you were at a phase where you said, hey, let's stay I home. Mean, and mostly when I think do, about it was because, relational time. because I was trying to get a master's also and probably was just tired. <laughs> yeah, there's any number of reasons. And should I just do my own thing or spend time with my new wife and our friend Lloyd, uh, and I went to him thinking, hey, this is this. He, he's a follower of Jesus, but he's but he's also cool and uh, understands the value of a good show in the city and that sort of thing. But Lloyd came back and said, hey, I, I hear what you're saying about getting me time. But he said, I can't think of a ton of verses in scripture that will emphasize you need to make sure that you get me time, but I can think of a ton of verses in scripture that emphasize pouring yourself out for other people and considering others better than yourselves across the board and specifically husbands loving your wives and giving yourselves up for them as Jesus did for the church. Right. And I was like, oh yeah, the Bible says that. I, I need to live joyfully and sacrificially more for my wife. And who knows where we would be if Lloyd didn't give that advice at that time. Yeah. I don't know. On one hand, I would be able to say, <laughs> uh, talk talk about a lot of Philly bands and say, I was there when. But I might not be able to say that about my marriage. So, <laughs> I, One can't revisit time unless you're a marvel. I'm a rock and roll martyr. Um, and now instead you will go see shows with my blessing with... Our with our progeny that's right <laughs> let the circle be unbroken i'll go with you occasionally now but pretty occasionally let's do it okay I'll... so you're saying there's a, a chance yeah there's a chance i'd rather josiah go with you though okay okay let's move on uh guitar slim pickens i asked you right before this i was like did you actually reference anything because i don't have that in my notes and i don't know if i need to like <laughs> was I really not listening? Was that when I was like calling a particularly difficult stretch yeah. of photos? Um, but I, I did catch the reference to the podcast, specifically talking about um, mm-hmm. my comment that we should do a command and compliance podcast, uh, a parenting podcast entitled Command and Compliance. Yeah, where, where are we on that idea? I feel like Josiah would love that podcast. <laughs> like, he would totally resonate and start complying. That is his that is his <laughs> mojo right now. He's a he actually does, black and white. He does comply. Yeah. Just not happily. Right. Yeah, I, I, think it has, I think it has potential. I think it would be very popular with parents, our new parenting strategy <laughs> of com- command and compliance. Command, comply. Our... our um, the one ch- we have the one child who like totally wants to come up comply but like doesn't because 
this child is so spacey and space cadetty that right. you like no matter how much that person wants <laughs> to do things they just i'm so sorry and she is but she didn't actually follow through <laughs> genuine tears like i can't believe i just spilled <laughs> sorry okay we're not we're gonna stop throwing children under the bus but each Ooh. yeah i don't parenting is parenting for kids teaches you that you probably probably a lot is genetic and not really what you do with them don't do it don't have kids don't have four kids (laughs) just kidding um but yeah so we had that you had that reference and then of course you referenced charlie brown and eeyore which Mm -hmm. we already discussed were um did get good eeyore and charlie brown feedback i mean in the room after the sermon like what what uh what characters do you empathize with in winnie the pooh and who are you uh, I always... You were like Christopher Robin, right? Yeah, the leader in every not... children's show yeah, ever. Okay. And then Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown's the leader. Yeah, so I'll go I'll go Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> every, every cartoon has its Optimus Prime, and that's my favorite character. So you're going to do a Charlie Brown with a Trust the Process t-shirt on next time? <laughs> I'm sure it's been Hold, done. Holding the football or holding the basketball like it's a football. <laughs> holding Joel's knee. <laughs> um, yeah, why didn't you have more references? Uh, sometimes it just happens that way. So the and, it, and I think the reason. Yeah, that's a good question. So I don't typically flag quotes as in tab quotes to to save for later necessarily that just speak to despondency (laughs) Um, so so unlike quotes that i underline (laughs) yeah in in my like reference system of of indexing i you know i have a lot of different keywords for different things and i was actually interested to go back so i searched for like keyword depressed keyword despondent keyword myopic uh, which is what I do to get quotes Sunday to Sunday. Just just go to different keywords in my quote collection, and nothing really came up. And so I just got to the point where you know I I read a ton of you stuff. You do in those read directions. a lot, you, and then you hand me them, and I'm like, you really want me to read the story about a depressed Asian female? <laughs> I am reading a nonfiction book by I, a depressed I know female right now, where <laughs> where the question is, why am I holding off on suicide? <laughs> It is, okay. is the central facade of the story. But you're not highlighting and saving the quotes from that one. Yeah, maybe maybe I should, uh, and I'm not saying that f- facetiously, but right. it just kind of got to the point where getting later in the week, there weren't references sure. coming to mind. It's fine. Uh, I, I have gotten a ton of angry Howlin' Wolves emails asking, where, where are the references? Right. You know, I'm, I'm only here for the barman cover yeah. tunes. No, I mean, I just, I threw in the sports one for you, and like, you didn't even think of that one. Like, yeah, no, I think instead about my lovely wife who Wait, did the meniscus tear dislikes... happen? Had that happened already? Was that that night? Oh, it, it had happened. Oh, okay. Yeah. See? Um, I thought about it. You weren't there on Sunday morning. Maybe I referenced no, it at different points is, in the like, service. I think Jesse would have been disappointed because I don't think there were any jokes either, aside from the first one, which was like the sad joke. No jokes? Balanced menu over time. We don't serve okay. a balanced menu every particular Sunday. I wasn't Sunday. there. would have been even more So boring. <laughs> <laughs> one one gets Guitar Slim Pickens, baby. Sure. Uh, and the, the 
can, can I say something that I liked that I did in my own sermon? Uh, no. Basically, that's what this whole podcast is. So the, the connection of an Old Testament story to Jesus occurred to me through the commonality of the cave. So as God commanded Elijah to come out of the cave, uh, similarly, Jesus was in a tomb, a cave for three days and three nights. Yeah. And if, if Elijah only came partially out of the cave, a disobedient one, Jesus, who was not the disobedient one, but treated as such for our sake, fully came out of the cave in resurrection. That's that, a good one. That was a late addition to the sermon Helen where I was thinking. See if anyone else had had that one first. I feel like it's in some commentary somewhere. Yeah, or Helen Wolves, is there a different way where I could have brought a Jesus crucified and resurrected connection to this There's passage? There's lots of Elijah Jesus Always. connections. They're all, like literally all, all over the place. <laughs> but well, let us know. <laughs> any any other trivia? I something nope. you wish you would redo. Redo. Add more, add more depressive, <laughs> depressive female writers to your, to your um, uh, docket of, of <laughs> quotes. And number two, more funny stories. <laughs> okay. Last we like, have Helen Wolf. Hey, you know how it is with <laughs> depressed writers? They be all like, and they're like, it's funny because it's true. Oh. I mean, Eeyore had some funny lines. Leaving so, meat on the bone. Um, we have a Howlin' Wolf. Let's read this one. Hi, Jim We and actually Emily. have one too, baby. Sorry oh, to cut you off. Two. Uh That came to my regular Gmail, so okay. I'll let you read the read one. one to postsundayblues at gmail.com. I appreciated this week's sermon and how Jim approached it, since at any other place I've heard these passages discussed, Elijah's cowardice and complaining were definitely not talking points. Um, but even with these moments, what can be considered failure, Elijah is loved and used by God. Mm -hmm. On to a question. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the differences of complaint as discussed on Sunday and praying without ceasing. Certainly no man can know the heart of another, but w at what point would it cross over into disobedience, complaining and or cowardice? Yes. So <laughs> thank you, Helen Wolf, for that question. And I actually went back into the old quote binder to, to see what I could find. And what I ended up going to is we referenced earlier this year um, during our Lenten sermon series on racial reconciliation and systemic injustice, Mark Rogup's book, Weep With Me. And he talks in there about the genre of biblical complaint. And so, yeah, there's good complaint and there's bad complaint when it comes to, to scripture and how we can relate to God. There's, there's a myopic complaining uh, that maybe Elijah's doing here. But then if we go to someplace like the book of Psalms, and I wouldn't even say with Elijah's complaint here that it's all wrong or all bad. There's threads of godly suffering in here, but then ungodly myopia at the same time. Uh, Vroger writes, biblical complaining is not venting your sinful anger. It's merely telling God about your struggles. And the more honest we can be, the sooner we are able to move to the next element. Uh, and he quotes at another point in his book, a hip-hop artist and preacher named Trip Lee uh, talking about lament in this way. I want people to contemplate what it looks like to bring our complaints before God and what it looks like to doubt him, but to strive to wrestle with him and see what it looks like to trust him during those hard times. So I would point to some thoughts like that as a paradigm towards constructive complaint. Sure. That, I mean, I think it's difficult. It does feel like... It is a little bit of a knife's like... edge. The Psalms are full of things that could be taken as 
complaints um, that are also prayers. So for sure, tricky stuff or interesting to meditate on. Yeah. And also I had, so thank you there and uh, feedback by way of email to Jim at Liberty.org. Another person saying, I, I never considered disobedience as part of this story of Elijah. So mm. that's why we try to yeah. go at a leisurely pace through pieces of scripture to discover new nuggets. So it's not just, you know, playing the greatest hits over and over again. Sure. Jim Anger's greatest hits. <laughs> it's <laughs> a multi-volume work. Let's talk about Jim, <laughs> Jim Anger's biggest biggest failures. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's an epic. That's right, war and right. peace. Well, Helen Wills, if you want to know more about Jim Anger's biggest greatest hits or biggest failures, uh, mm-hmm. you can write in. I'm not sure he'll talk to you about them. <laughs> <laughs> Try me. But I think, yeah, we have two more episodes, guys, in this first season of... Uh, whatever the show is called. Mm-hmm. And then those two episodes, I, yeah, we've had a great time, um, I think, chatting through these these thoughts of yours. Uh, let's let's hear from more listeners if there, are, if there are any questions that you are thinking about in terms of how Jim prepares his sermons, what his thought process is about a specific one or about um, sermons in general, pastoring in general. Um, you can always throw questions my way. I'm not sure why, <laughs> but the pastor's wife hat, which um, thankfully is not as much of a thing as it used to be. I think the pastor's wife hats of like 20 years ago were um, more difficult ones to wear. And there were some gorgeously like hats. big hats, you know, with Ugh. like flowers and birds. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a hat person. <laughs> Your husband is. Yeah. Um, that could be one thing you write. Like, what what, um, what hat do you, Emily, like best of Jim's? The answer is none of them. It's my autobiography, Under the Pastor's Fedora. <sighs> With that, uh, any final questions from you? Oh, you do have a, your finger up. Yeah, just, just to clarify, so, so what Emily said is true. We're doing two more episodes, and then we're just simply going to take a break for the summer. There's going to be a little less of Jim in the pulpit this summer. I mean, I'll, I'll be around for sure, but working spending less time during the everyday work week of the summer on sermon prep to lean into some longer term things. And Emily's travel schedule is all over the place this summer too. So instead of trying to hustle to piece together a podcast plan for the summer, take a break. We'll come back this fall with season two. Helen Wolves, if there is anything specifically on your mind, you have two weeks to get it in before the the deadline and then we're going to relaunch with a new season so that's going to be a lot of fun two weeks post sunday blues at gmail.com you can stay anonymous i usually don't read the names of people who are writing in and then so we'll do one more episode from first kings and to preview those that are tracking with liberty collingswood series as well the sermon series for the summer and this might be the first time you're hearing this as as well at at least the title Uh uh-oh Paul Perry. What do you think Paul Perry is about? I think it's like you coming up with these names that like they sound fine, but like I. I think it's going to put okay, our church over the top. Popery is just not a thing anymore. So you feel like you're dating yourself in the like a generation of people who had the ants that had potpourri in their bathrooms. In point of fact, just on that real quick, the sermon graphic for Paul Perry is going to be using a classic 70s font that yeah, totally I mean, turns up the volume on the vintage like, nature. Would Micah, Josiah, Jesse, would they even know what potpourri is? 
Uh, Gen Z is all about potpourri. I've been reading some articles about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we'll 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 just have to find out. Yes. Um, that obscure thing you might have to define the word potpourri for some people because our audience is pretty like hip. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I. I do think there's a chance that maybe potpourri could be the next on the hipster uh, vintage retro reclaiming. I mean, know, so if, if you're poopery. fermenting things. Do you know poopery? No, it yeah. is poopery. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine. It's in the mom circles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, rate, review, subscribe to our lovely podcast. Uh, I think with that, I'll close this by saying, how was it? <laughs> That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post-Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. So what Enneagram type are you again? I'm an Enneagram three. The one. That... <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I'm a that, performer. That sounds, I love to perform. It sounds really sexy. <laughs> Always wanted to be married to a three. <laughs> there you go. You would, you would hate being married to yourself. Uh, it's a hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs>